Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Raging Demon, Katie Quigg, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Lunchbox, aka The Disgruntled Gamer, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Dave Jackson, Matt, aka Stormageddon, Retro Overdrive, Van Fernal, Keith Gasper, Eric Guess, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming, B Ross from Super Garbage Day, Darth Emic, and Low Five Alex. Your continued engagements and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast where we swig some sexy Sashta so slay sick soon. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with, as always, your host, Shane. Billy Dick Dancing Something, something, tummy sticks. I don't know. That's all I can think of with the the Dick Dragon moniker this time around. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? Tummy sticks sounds dirty. That's because it is. I'm doing good. (laughs) Why can't I remember what that means? Uh, Don't worry about it. We don't have a conversation about tummy sticks. I, I mean, everyone Google tummy sticks. Give it to your kid. Tell them to Google it. Yeah, that's definitely an innocent childhood game and not something that will ruin them for later anyway um yeah Yeah. you know what i'm sure that like i could think of at least one person in our discord that will be more than happy to elucidate that for us but i'm pretty sure it's more than one probably yeah 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 now i want to know what that is now i'm curious (laughs) oh by the way i just noticed i told i told people to give that to your kid and I'll double down on that because I want to I'd want to put this out to everyone in a very basic manner here. Most people tell their listeners to make sure their kids aren't in the room and to not give this to your kids. And I'm telling you to do it because if you actually do that and, and you're actually stupid enough to listen to us and give it to like your five year old, then you probably haven't listened to us before. So true. Or maybe like you just want your five year old to listen to us, which thank you. Uh, you are a very brave and uh, bold parent would not be my choice, but I, I don't know where where we're going with this. I'm pretty sure that uh, 
fuck fuck people being angry with us they're already angry have your kids listen to us we are awesome and we need to be in every single public school (laughs) we are educational yeah i mean we are in fact history oriented so i mean we we can be taught in your in your children's history classes We (laughs) we were told we are a podcast about history i think that person left the discord but uh we have been told that Oh, and we that, thank we thank right. them for their for their for, well not I don't want to say patronage but for listening to us we do thank them for that indeed I, I don't know if they're still there yeah I think I think we weirded them out I mean that's not entirely surprising no so there's there's a certain certain brand of person that you know I think can that fit, fits with the you know what's what's going on j- jiving with with what's happening in the Discord I mean. And you know, I don't know. You're never gonna know until you find out, right? So, you just gotta, you just gotta jump in, both, both, both feet first. Find out what, in fact, is is a Bruin yes. in in the Discord. It's like Camelot, the the Monty Python version. Ah, uh, to silly place. Yes, I like to push the pram a lot. <laughs> hey, we brought it back around to kids. Oh man, we are <laughs> cancellation is imminent. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, to be honest, but that's fine. I embrace the cancellation, Shane. Cancel me harder. Cancel me harder, <laughs> Daddy. Oh. Anyway, Shane. Wow. Yeah. As we are as we are as we are want to do, we should probably talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, I guess. You want me to start? You want, uh, you want, me, to, you want me to go? Yeah, sure. Okay. Go, go for it. Um, it's entirely uninteresting because I haven't really been playing jack shit, really. Other than the game du jour, I, I really just haven't had the time to really sink into much of anything else. Uh, the winter event has started in Diablo 4, so I'm going to be looking to to get into that sometime hopefully within the next couple of days I, I did try to start up uh torchlight infinite again because i had seen some things about it being pretty decent i was in the i think it was a beta and i was not super impressed and i was really put off by the fact that it seemed like they were kind of doing uh some double speak where they were saying like hey you know how that whole diablo immortal thing is like you got to pay for the gems. That's that's where the real character power comes from. Well, you don't have to do that here, except they just conveniently left out the fact that the pets that you get are apparently like hugely important and are basically pay to win. So that's neat. It seems like that system is more or less still the same, but uh, I don't know. I was giving it a second shot. It plays really well. Um, it looks good. It plays real smooth. It you can play on mobile or on PC. There's a Steam client, and I, I'd like to put some more time into it. But I just, as I said, haven't had a whole lot of bandwidth to really do that. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But I think my main focus, other than you know doing stuff for the show and whatnot, would be to try to get my seasonal character in, in Diablo Four uh, leveled up some more and do the winter event stuff and kind of participate in that. But I guess that's kind of the big thing right now. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot else going on really in the, in the, in the game sphere at the moment. Plus I got to set aside some time because we've got some, some chonky RPGs coming up that I got to dedicate time to. So 
uh, time. But, uh, what, what, what about you? What, what you got going on? First of all, winter events are awesome. And if you listen to Radio Sega and their winter event, you may have heard us. So shout outs to them. Thank you for having us, Radio Sega. You can find over at Terra Player, who also hosts us. So thank you, Terra Player. Yeah. There's some shout outs and plugs. Yeah. I have been continuing to play, you know, much like your boring self. I am boring this week as well. Uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy Renaissance. I am trying to turn French. It's not working. But uh, I, I do have to say that uh, I, I'm loving this game. I have discovered that I, I picked a different party and this party uh, sucks. Oh, good. Com- com- comparatively to what I had on my first run is far more difficult. This time I'm using a, what is it, a, uh, a red mage, a monk a evoker and a time mage and the reason i chose an evoker is someone told me in the stream that evoker was broken that was a lie <laughs> that was a big big lie so uh they're not as broken as bard i feel betrayed and lied to but i'm still having a great time i'm still having a great time i'm probably not going to have as much time to play that because i do as much like you have shows have games not have shows to play for the show I have games to play for the show that are going to consume quite a bit of, of my time coming up. Thankfully, I have like some days off from my job in the very new future in the very near future. You know, thank God for the holidays. I guess I guess that's appropriate, depending on who you are. But, you know, it's all it's all a good thing, especially for the time off. And I look forward to it and I hope I can complete some games instead of like going crazy or something. Because going crazy is bad. But I think we're ready to talk about this game. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I mean, I think we should probably just get right into it. Hell yeah, I think we should. And as we are want to do, I may have already said that, but I don't care. I am want to say want as is Shane. But as we are want to do, uh, we give a brief history over the game that we talk about for our episode. And that game is Shantae. Just Shantae. No subtitle. The original game for the Game Boy Color. So, Shane. Yes. Please take it away and give us a brief history on Shantae. In 2002, the Game Boy Advance was taking the portable gaming sphere by storm. With advanced 32-bit graphics small enough to fit in your pocket, there was almost no reason to look anywhere else for gaming on the go. Which means it's the perfect time to release a Game Boy Color game, right? Of course, no one would actually think that, but our story does not start in 2002, it starts way back in 1997. Way Forward, who was mostly a PC developer at the time, was considering making a game for the PC or PlayStation in a full three-dimensional environment. The game would star a genie named Shantae, who had lost her magic and had to gain it back from powerful jinns who drained the world of said power. Interestingly, that setup would move to the Super Nintendo of all consoles, before finally settling in on the Game Boy Color. 
way forward would take the engine of their previously released game, Extreme Sports, and use that for the basis of Shantae. Building upon this engine, the developers focused on making a visually striking game for the little 8-bit console, with effects that very few other developers had even attempted. But WayForward needed a publisher. Unfortunately, their efforts at perfecting their graphical style resulted in needing a larger capacity cartridge, in addition to a battery for memory backup. The size of the cartridge would mean the game would be expensive to produce, so few publishers were interested in taking on that chance. Fortunately, Capcom would eventually agree to bring Shantae to release, but sat on it. Capcom continually delayed it for eight months until after the launch of the Game Boy Advance. saw how the GBA would affect the visual style of their game, they went back to work and made changes, such as adding bonus content and brightening the screen in case buyers would play it on the newly launched system. But due to those aforementioned delays, high cost of production, and being a title that was made for older hardware, Capcom only put out one print run that is estimated to have been about 25,000 copies. As one might assume, it was a commercial flop. Critically, it did alright, but scores varied wildly. While some praised the game for its aforementioned graphics, others found the gameplay to be pretty boring. Regardless of what critics thought, it wouldn't have been enough to impact its success due to the low print run. As a result, the game went on to be a highly sought-after collectible in the second-hand market. Respectively, many reviewers of all varieties praised Shantae, many of which went back to it after the game received a sequel as part of Nintendo's DSiWare, Shantae Risky's Revenge. Ever since, the series has found its following with ensuing success and has had four sequels, with a fifth set to be released in 2024. It has also found a variety of releases for the 3DS eShop, Nintendo Switch, PS4 and PS5, and also included a physical Game Boy Color re-release through Limited Run Games. That is your brief history of Shantae. Alright, thank you, Shane. I, you know, I didn't know that the print run was that low. I always knew it was low. I always wondered why it didn't come out on the Game Boy Advance, why anyone would make a Game Boy Color game and release it after that system came out, one of the most successful portable systems of all time that everyone saw from like 50 miles away. Yeah, that's... But now I know. That's really wild to me. It almost, I mean, I guess I shouldn't assume malice, right? Uh, where, you know, incompetence usually suffices as the saying sort of goes, but like, yeah. It really feels like Capcom just sort of purposefully sat on this and kind of intentionally tried to kill it. It, it feels that way. I don't know. Am I the only one? Maybe they saw it may have been a success. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to assume for Capcom. Uh, but like if I think the, the, the size of the cartridge is 32 megabit. Right. I don't know what cartridge costs are. I mean, they, they were expensive. So maybe they're like, well, 
if this game, if we launch this game before the Game Boy Advance comes out, a lot of people are going to buy it, which means we're going to have to make more cartridges and we can't afford that. And it's not going to last forever. I, I don't know. That's very that's a very stupid way of thinking. But I I don't know. I don't put it past anybody for thinking stupidly. Yeah, it just like, it seems happens. like they they kind of did this on purpose to basically like just do the absolute minimum to fulfill whatever contract they had with way forward. Right. Because they were just yeah. like, oh, well, we pushed out this many copies and that was the minimum and we're not going to do any more because, you know, now now the GBA is out. So. You know, no, nobody's going to buy a Game Boy Color game. Oh, no. Like, uh, it just seems real weird. Like, it's extremely weird. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, I'm glad that the series has finally, you know, I think gotten a lot of the recognition that it justly deserves. But um, it seems like it got just a real rough start <laughs> through almost no fault of its own. Yeah. I mean, everything worked out in the end, right? Like, yeah. Capcom's still doing fine. I think I'm pretty sure uh, way forward is now a major name on the, on the indie gaming scene. It's almost hard to call them indie anymore because they are so successful. Yeah. So it's not like this is a sad story where way forward didn't get their success and the development studio had to shut down because of it. They, they found their stride. They continued to you know build upon themselves and continued to make bigger and better games. And now they they are where they are today and good for them. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's not a sad story. It's not a happy story. It's just, I guess, a story. It's a <laughs> it's an origin story. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> so I guess uh, for origin stories, Shane, mm. what, what's your origin story with Shantae? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I've gone on record a number of times over the years on the show now as sort of being a, a Shantae stan of sorts. I wasn't always that way um i think a lot or or much like a lot of other people i had no idea this series even existed for quite a while and i want to say i think it was shantae and the pirate's curse was actually my entry point into the series it was right around 2014 2015 something like that and i just really i really enjoyed it it's you know it's it's a really solid platformer it has like just charm and personality just oozing out of everything the the art design's fantastic and so i was really like pleasantly surprised by it i was like i why have i never played any of these before and so then you know as more of them came out played half genie hero um seven sirens came out in 2019 so yeah i just sort of became i guess a, a follower of the of the shante because it really is even to this day still very much in, in my opinion a cult following because it's not even with as many releases as a series has had I, I really don't think it's got as much like penetration into the cultural consciousness as you know a lot of other series have managed to achieve which i think is a shame because they are really solid games that have just fantastic personality so yeah as far as this game specifically i I had never even touched it. I mean, I certainly didn't get a, a cartridge given the the low print run, that's for sure. Uh, it wasn't even on my radar. Cards on the table. I had played every Shantae game except this one <laughs> going into this episode. So this was actually a a brand new experience for me, um, which I I have some thoughts on that we'll get into later. <laughs> but 
I don't know. What what about you? This was the very first Shantae game I've ever played. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's the interesting thing is I, as a member of the niche gaming community that I am in, which I guess would be the retro gaming community, sort of. Mm. I don't know where I where where I or this show or we fit into to that on a larger scale of uh, what it would be defined as because we we could fit into a lot of like squared circles or whatever i don't i don't know but i've heard a lot about shantae over the years as many people i think in our in our little influence realm would have it's just it's all over the place there whether or not friends locally from like the arcade jacks community as i'm sure you know some of the people i'm talking about Mm -hmm. who are big big shantae fans and it's just something that you see like in in the YouTube channels I follow, Shantae's kind of a big deal. It's just it's something that that is always there permeating, especially amongst indie developers. So over the years, like I've bought Shantae games. I have Half Genie Hero. I think the box is still sealed, like the Risky Beats edition that comes with the soundtrack. I have the Seven Sirens collectible uh, collector's edition. And so when Limited Run Games came out with that physical Game Boy Color release on a Game Boy Color cartridge, I had to get that because finding a Game Boy Color cartridge of the original release today is like if you buy that, you're you either have more money than you know what to do with or you're you're just financially stupid. (laughs) And so having the opportunity to get that so I could play that on original hardware, which is kind of what I did for this episode. I played it on my Game Boy player through my GameCube because I tried playing it on my Game Boy Color, but there was no volume. And the Game Boy Advance I have, it's it's a Game Boy Advance, so it's not backlit. Well, neither is my Game Boy Color for that matter, but it also doesn't have a back battery cover. Yeah. So um, just trying to play it on original hardware that way, it wasn't too feasible. So I did play it on my GameCube, where I do have a controller that has a respectable D-pad. It's not, I did not use an original GameCube controller for that. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to impact my gameplay experience. I actually think it made it significantly better depending on how the controls went. But that's kind of my experience. I've always seen it from afar. I've always been very interested. I've been very interested in this game that accumulated such value and notoriety over the years as being one of the best Game Boy Color games of all time or being one of the most overlooked Game Boy Color games of all time to the point where I don't think you can call this a hidden gem anymore. I think it's that cat's well out of the bag. Yeah, this is this is a a very much discussed game, whether or not it's a gem. We will talk about that at the end of this episode. But it's certainly not hidden. It was for about a a few minutes between 2002 and like 2010 or 11 or so. But yeah, uh, this game is definitely one that I'm I'm quite familiar with now, especially after playing. So there you go. There's there's my personal experiences. I also think it's crazy that you like own so many physical copies of the games in this series and yet have never actually played them. And I'm the one that's all like, Shantae is great, and I don't own a single one of them. That's more a reflection on how sad and pathetic I am, Shane. But I'm willing to embrace that. I'm willing to embrace a lot of negative things. Just give me that negative energy. Feed feed it into me. Mm, it's that, I love it's that it. collector life. It's a horrible one. I, I do not <laughs> encourage this for anybody. Like, why do I own so much shit? I'll, I'll play it someday, I keep telling myself. Sure. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's well. what we yeah, all say. Yeah. We all say mm-hmm. it, except you, because you don't have them. No, mine's just a, a digital you. graveyard. It's fine. That's true. I have one of those as well. Yeah. But uh, 
enough about how how we are failures at at video gaming in so many ways. At least we have company in that. Uh, that that story is is kind of a sad one. Let's talk about another story and and this game's story. So what's what's the basic plot of this game, Shane? Well, all right. So the basic plot, without I guess going into like too much detail or anything. All of the Shantae games take place in a place called Sequin Land. That's kind of the the world that they're in. They it used to be protected by guardian genies. That time sort of passed, and some of the genies fell in love with humans and had children with them, and therefore half genies with some like limited magical abilities were born. And Shantae happens to be one of those. She is the guardian genie of like a little fishing town. Uh, called scuttle town and she lives in like the abandoned lighthouse that's sort of like on the on the outskirts of town and like one of the biggest things with with shante and she kind of struggles with this through actually quite a few of the games it's a recurring theme is that she never feels like she's adequate as a half genie she has this sense that like she would be a lot more effective at being scuttle town's guardian or that they deserve a guardian that is a full genie um, that would be more capable in, in the magical department than than what she is so that's sort of like an ongoing theme like i said through a lot of the games but especially in this one since it's the the, the origin story and this one also introduces us to actually almost all if not all of the main characters that I can think of off the top of my head that are going to be recurring through pretty much all of the Shantae games. And the, the main recurring nemesis is Risky Boots, who is a female uh, pirate captain who, you know, as pirates are indeed want to do, uh, kind of just, you know, goes around and plunders shit. She's got like her little, I don't remember what they're called, but she has her little like pirate minions that kind of look like the the little uh what the hell they're not nobodies but the the little black like creatures from kingdom hearts i can't remember what they're called now it's been a minute heartless maybe they're the yeah heartless yeah just like the the generic heartless they actually look a lot like that if the heartless were in little pirate costumes so there you go yeah but anyway part of the universe shane yeah yeah actually yeah can we do that next kingdom hearts game can we have a shantae world that'd be awesome uh anyway so the 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 main like plot line here is that Risky Boots shows up and uh finds out that there's this like steam engine thing that uh that mimic I believe who is like the town old the resident like old guy slash inventor you know that archetype has been working on and she steals the steam engine in order to basically try to uh, retrofit her pirate ship with it to become unstoppable and she's going around and collecting up these like special stones of different elements uh in these different labyrinths that are sort of located throughout you know sequin land to install into the steam engine in order to make it like super powered is essentially what is happening and so you as the the half genie defender of Scuttletown. Uh, go out and try to track down these magical stones and she pretty much beats you to the punch at every turn and you eventually have to defeat her mega steam engine and you know defeat risky boots and save the day that's kind of our our major plot there's some other things going on but that's the gist of it Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the plot's rather generic. Yeah. It's an action it's an action game, so I mean, that's that's rather to be rather expected, especially when that's on hardware like the GBA. Now, I, I, that's not to say that GBA games can't go a little bit deeper, but that's certainly not really the point of Shantae. It's kind of to be more of a light-hearted romp. Uh, the gang that Risky Boots is in charge of is the Tinkerbat ah, Pirates. That's what it was, yeah. So I will say the writing in this game, I think, is incredible. The, the writing is so good. It's one of those Paper Mario situations where the plot itself isn't really what you're coming for. It's really how they describe the world, how they interact with each other, what, what they're talking about. Which, when I was playing this, I was kind of surprised because... This game somewhat looks like it's advertised as a kid's game, mm-hmm. right? Shantae looks like a character that's promoted to little girls on the cover, or stereotypically, at least. Right. And the, the conversations in this game are like for, for horny 13-year-olds. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a, um, it's a bit of a juxtaposition when you compare to how the game is presented and how the writing is, which I'm all about in 2002. I don't know how they got away with that. (laughs) To be honest (laughs) with you, that was not the time to do it, Uh, especially on a portable console, which is very much geared more towards younger children. And the game is also rated E for everyone, by the way, (laughs) E for everyone. And there's there's definitely some things in here. I don't know. I mean, 2002 is definitely you know different than how things are right now in 2023. But like they're not too different. So like I was I, I really enjoyed it. I was kind of surprised that you know, the, the writing was the way that it was. Not that it's bad. It's, it's perfectly fine. And I think it's perfectly acceptable. But just when you take everything within context and if you put yourself back in 2002, it's, it's rather surprising that they did get away with that. Like that, that that's I don't think that's discussed enough about how I won't say bold, but just how how fun the writing is. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of the things that I find so endearing about the series is that the the character dialogue is always just so like witty and, and snappy and just very, very well written. There really isn't any time I can think of where, you know, I get a dialogue that I'm just like, Ugh, all right, fine. Or, you know, it's like kind of cringy or whatever. Like it's always very well done. Um, and it, it was, it was a pleasant surprise for me to go back to this one and see that that's kind of the way it's been right from the get go. Um, which also I'm, I'm just looking at some of the information while we're talking and what's kind of really impressive about this is that if you look at the credits for like director, producer, writer, artist, like it's basically three people. <laughs> yeah. It's like Matt Bozen, who is who ended up being director, designer, artist, and writer. So he is responsible for this writing that we're talking about. Uh, and then you've got John Beck as producer and Jimmy Huey as the programmer, who uh, apparently the sole programmer. So that's that's pretty impressive, especially with what they managed to pull off with this, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, the the writing for all Shantae games and and this one is no exception is has is always like top tier, in my opinion. It's it's always very well done. Well, I mean, going back to the writing, if you look at what Bozen said, I mean, Bozen talked about why he didn't think the game sold Mm. and 
one of the things he said is like the the way if you again going back to 2002 and how things were towards gaming especially on a console like the Game Boy Color like what was the, what was this game's target audience you have a very sexually i don't want to say super sexually charged genie character but she's she's sexual right she's she's a sexy character so yeah well i mean like, that's especially that. i'd say that, that that was especially exemplified by like at, at the end of the game when so, you get the cutscene um with like the the four genies that you saved when they offer the the chance to become a full genie and she turns it down because she wants to stay and defend Scuttletown and like the background mm-hmm. is her and it's just like full on massive booba <laughs> <laughs> Well, you see that some of the enemies too like the like the naga snakes which those 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 titties are are like flopping dude Oh, there's, yeah, this game for those, a GBC there's nothing game, covering those there's titties. some serious, uh, serious jiggle there's physics boobs. going on. A lot of boobs. Or her, her doing belly dancing, which, again, I, I acknowledge, like, there's some traditionalness to this. I don't know how much is research, right? But, like, there's definitely some ass jiggling and some hip wiggling and stuff like that, which, again, yes, belly dancing is, is a real thing. It's very cultural, but maybe not something you want to throw kids. But he was talking about why he didn't think the game would sell because like what's the target demographic it's it's too sexy for like in his words like it was too sexy for a kid's game Mm -hmm. uh and it was too girly i I mean it is very girly aesthetically to to be something that would appeal to to like be a male game or a boy's game especially like uh like a game boy color male game like a 10 11 9 year old Right. Right. They're not going to be wanting to play this game. Now, a horny 35 year old, maybe. <laughs> uh, in fact, we definitely know that nowadays. Yep. But mm-hmm. like back back then, not so much. Right. So that might be another reason we were talking about earlier why Capcom sat on it. And that that writing is really evidence of the mindset that way forward had this in a, in a lot of ways. The way this game is written and presented, I know we're probably going to talk We've really kind of have kind of talked about the graphics in terms of its presentation. Like we're going to talk more about the actual quality of it, but just overall, like this game kind of lived up to the developer's name and being way forward because this is a game that you typically see now in the indie scene is just perfectly acceptable. But this is definitely a kind of game that you generally did not see at that time. So I, I could look at Capcom and Capcom was like, well, who do who the fuck do we market this to? <laughs> without looking creepy right and they that that's probably why they silently released it after the gba launched yeah and i mean yeah it is a totally valid point right because it is like strangely straddling that line no pun intended of you know (laughs) like well it is i mean you get the the art style and even just the the game's box cover you know it's very if you didn't know any better especially with that big ass e for everyone slapped on the the corner of the box there like you assume that it's some like it's a girl's game about being a magical genie and but it's it's not at all and it's nothing like you know it kind of is i mean kind of but not in the sense that one might assume it to be right and so not not that it's like there's nothing like gravely offensive or like crude about it really it's just that it is a lot more sexually charged than i think anyone would expect from 
a game like that also being on the Game Boy Color uh, and still at a time where games were still considered to be kind of more of like the a kid's thing, I guess that 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 notion yeah. lived far longer than I think it deserved to. But I think that was still prevalent yeah. at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But but overall, I yeah, yeah the writing and, and plot and stuff is I mean, the plot's kind of basic, but the writing that is sort of like built around it is is great. I love it. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Well, I, I guess the the lavish praise, at least for me, might might start to wane a little bit as we get into the gameplay here, Shane. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kick this one off. Now, in, in terms of the kind of game that this is, it's been described as a Metroidvania. I guess you could put that in the category. That is definitely a term that many podcasters have said that is thrown around way too often. And that is something I would tend to agree with. I, I don't know if I really want to put this in the same category as a Metroidvania. It has features like that where you have to gain abilities in order to unlock certain areas. But it's 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 not something that you you typically wouldn't find in a lot of action adventure games anyway. It's just that it's an interconnected map sort of that you can go back to. It's I don't know. I think Metroidvania is 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 a little bit of wishful thinking and, and kind of giving this design a little bit too much credit. Not to say that the design of the levels are, are inherently bad, but to call it a Metroidvania, I wouldn't necessarily agree with. Anyway, as Shantae. You have basic platforming abilities, you know, A is jump, B, uh, you can attack with your hair, and you hold down B to run. Now, you can gain abilities uh, that enhance your attack. These abilities aren't necessarily 100% needed. Uh, like, what is it? You, you can do like a jump attack, a spin attack. You can do some things where you hold down your charge attack. But there are abilities that are necessary in order to advance the game, which are your animal transformations. Mm -hmm. And those are activated by doing a little dance and you do this dance by pressing select and then you dance within the rhythm, which, by the way, I, I think is not that great. I don't think it's that awesome, uh, especially in some situations against bosses. But that's really the gist of it. You attack enemies by whipping them with your hair. Uh, you can attack enemies with your special attacks. Or, you know, whatever you really have at your disposal. You also have the ability to use items, and these items can help you with enemies, get around them, attack them, or heal yourself. Uh, but aside from that, uh, there's there's not really any, like, RPG elements to it, not that that's necessary for a Metroidvania. But you do have a life system that consists of hearts. You can increase the amount of hearts you have by finding heart fillers, and there's all other items you can get, like fireflies and warp squids that will help you warp between villages where you have item shops and save rooms and all sorts of stuff i can understand the comparisons uh it's it's definitely an interconnected game much like i guess castlevania 2 in fact i think castlevania 2 is a much more apt comparison i wouldn't call i mean some people call castlevania 2 a metroidvania i think that's also a stretch but i think that that's more where i would classify shantae with what about yourself yeah, I, I think I'm mostly in agreement. Like, I, I can see why you would refer to this as a Metroidvania. It's it's sort of like, I kind of liken this to what Rogue is to Rogue Lights, in that I feel like this is the this is the Rogue Light of Metroidvanias. It's it's a Metroidvania light. Like it it has 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has some of the elements where you could say like, oh, okay. Like if you were to tell someone like, eh, it's it's like a Metroidvania, they'd be like, oh, okay. I, I kind of get what this game probably does. Okay, fine. So in terms of descriptors, I think it's accurate enough, but I, yeah, I would tend to agree with you that I think it is, it is light on those elements um, and not something that is like foreign or unheard of for this sort of action platformer. So no, I, I think we're in agreement mm-hmm. there. I, uh, hmm. well, it's, it's interesting that you said that there aren't any RPG elements cause you're right. Uh, but there are in later games, which I think is actually an improvement. I'm gonna be honest. I was a little bummed going into the item shops in this game and seeing that the only like upgrade, only permanent upgrade I could get, not like consumable items to use were really just like different moves that weren't a hundred percent necessary. I mean, they're cool. Um, and they do make combat a little bit more fluid. I will give them that, but there aren't any actual upgrades really. Uh, whereas in later Shantae games, those things were added, which I think is a big benefit. Like you would find certain items or not really find, you can buy them in the shops that would like increase your hair whip damage or, you know, give you a double jump or like things like that. Um, and I really liked those inclusions. So it's kind of sad to see that that wasn't here, but again, you know, I guess we're talking about the first in the series and it's a Game Boy Color game. So I guess you could temper your expectations from a gameplay perspective i have to say i tend to agree with some of the people that evidently were pointed out in our brief history in that they were identifying the gameplay as somewhat boring especially and of course this is one of those deals right we as a retro game podcast we do this all the time we come across this all the time and that is inevitably making a comparison to later games. It's kind of hard not to. I mean, we can think of these things mm-hmm. in terms of the, you know, their time and place. But sometimes going back to these games can be difficult. And I think in this instance, it was for me, especially with the knowledge of the later games and how great they feel to play. This felt very sluggish and janky for like a lack of better words i guess it's not that the platforming is bad it's not i think in those respects it's pretty precise uh i would say hitboxes and the accuracy of your hair whip can be suspect sometimes and but the biggest detractor for me honestly is the movement the fact that the base movement is just sort of like a jaunty saunter makes the gameplay real slow and the only way to run when you're not in an animal form. So for the first chunk of the game, your your as the player, your introduction to the game is just walking kind of slowly. And then the only way to run is to press and hold the attack button. And that feels also real jank because it's like, okay, I have to do this hair whip once in order to be able to run. And granted, I know we're limited by the number of buttons on a Game Boy Color, but it still just feels kind of bad. I would almost have preferred that the base movement speed just be run. Like, I don't see a reason for the walk, like, at all. Uh, Well, one exception, and this kind of dovetails into part of why I honestly kind of hated 
uh, traversal in between the towns in this game. And part of it is because, again, it's because this game is trapped on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> the screen is so small, right, that you don't have a lot of real estate to work with. And so I think that might be part of why Shantae is at like that walking gate by default, because the amount of like gameplay area that you have at any given time is very focused. It's like playing an FPS with like a really, really tight field of view. It's not great. And part of what makes that bad for me is, is not knowing what's coming next and not having like a better sense of place as far as like the, the areas in between each of the towns that you are sort of forced to reverse a number of times until hopefully you unlock the ability to warp with the warp squids. They just suck to, to have to traverse. Like I, I actually put the game down on a, on a, a few occasions because I knew that I had to go from one town to the next to go back and get something or do something. And it's a slog. It feels like a slog every time because there's mm -hmm. bullshit enemy placement in places that you can't see because the screen is so small. And so if you try to just say, okay, fuck it, I'm just going to run because I want to get through this as quickly as possible, which for the record should never be something that you feel about like a pretty big chunk of the game of like, oh God, just let me skip this so I can get to the next thing. That's bad in and of itself. But if you, right. if you choose to do that and you're like, I'm just going to haul ass from, you know, point A to point B, there's a good chance you're just going to die because you just end up <laughs> running into dumb shit or, you know, stuff pops out of waterfalls or pops out of the ground or the things you can't really, uh, like anticipate or plan for in some cases. And with the relatively few number of hits that Shantae can take, especially in the early game. Um, I found myself just literally straight up dying way more than I thought I should just doing basic traversal from one town to the next. So that, that, that was a lot, but I don't know. I had a lot of feelings about this because it, it, it's particularly disappointing to me being a fan of the series and loving the other games so much to go back and and feel like i i don't have any intrinsic motivation to want to keep playing this game and that i have to force myself to get through these areas that i should be enjoying like that just feels bad actually i i 100 agree with everything you just said in in many ways like you should want to encounter these enemies right that's that's how these should be designed like these enemies that are that, that are there like in, engaging with them it, it should be fun or if there's you're supposed to avoid them coming up with ways to avoid them that should be the entertaining part but this game doesn't really do any of that the hit detection is especially infuriating and that's because the the enemy iframes are like hard to determine sometimes you can keep whipping them and sometimes you have to wait a little bit like it's a rhythm game, which this game is likes to do. It likes to do some rhythm things. I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well. But like it, it's it's a little bit infuriating, especially because a lot of these enemies take quite a bit of hits. And then you have this day night cycle, which at night, then these enemies take some of them can take twice as many hits. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just way too much. It, it grinds the game to the to a crawl in some areas and 
One of the things that makes a lot of Metroidvanias a lot of fun, especially the Egovanias of like Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Aria of Sorrow and so on and so forth, is that you can get through areas by clearing out at most of the enemies you're encountering with one or two hits. You're not spending five hits per enemy mm-hmm. and, and with just basic tactics trying to knock these enemies out. It's if you got to clear them out, it's one or two hits unless it's a big enemy and it's like specifically designed to be in your way and they don't keep throwing them at you time and time and time again for the most part, right? I'm sure people could pick out examples of when this happens, but that's not something they're doing throughout the entirety of the game. It's all about having a nice flow to it. And this is why like I I hesitate to call this a Metroidvania because it doesn't do this. It does things that more traditional platformers would do and how they break them up by levels. But even in those games, like if you look at a Mario game, you're jumping on enemies once and they're dead. So it it doesn't work out too well. And the incentive for defeating these enemies are gems, which do help you. But there's other ways to get gems. So ultimately, what you're like kind of encouraged to do is avoid fighting at all. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of sucks. Uh, I don't like that. And it's it, because the controls themselves are a little inconsistent, too, to the point where like I'm constantly holding down B because sometimes the game encourages me to do a long jump and sometimes it doesn't but you always have to hold it down because that will vary that will vary a lot and like you said the screen is somewhat condensed so sometimes there are there are areas where you don't know exactly what's on the other side of where you're supposed to jump just because of the way the level is designed so you do have to walk through a level at almost a snail's pace in order to get where you want if you're exploring a new area, at least in order to get where you want to go, because if you run through an area just to like kind of speed up the pace and you don't know what's coming, that could result in you taking a jump and finding out you're not going to land in anything and you're going to die. Which brings me to another point. Why are there lives in this game? <laughs> why can't there be more consistent save points? Why? Why do you have lives? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I didn't understand that one either because there's <laughs> it, there's um, there's no reason for it because there's not really a penalty for dying like uh, e- e- not really. I mean, so there's really no penalty for dying at all other than starting back at the beginning of whatever area that you were at. But if you were to run out of lives, you get a game over screen, but that just puts you to wherever it was that you saved last. So it's not really. It seems like it's there almost out of like a necessity of just like, oh, well, these kind of games have live systems, so we should have that. Yeah, like I, I, I try to do some experiments with this because I hate dying in video games. I'm very self-conscious about it. So sometimes I'll reset a game if I die. And I started to do that in Shantae. But what I realized is I got an item like a warp squid and then I died and I still had the warp squid. Mm-hmm. And then I died again. I got a game over. I still had the warp squid and I still had all the money I collected. So when I when we say there's no penalty, there is no penalty. You get to keep everything that you found before you died. Like no difference. It's just it's very strange. The 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 difficulty curve. It's like a fucking sine wave. (laughs) So sometimes the. Sometimes the game like when when Shane was talking about just running into enemies like the very first area you get into there's the very first one 
there's these little dudes that jump out of the ground, float in the air and throw spears or arrows at you. And then they land on the ground. You hit them twice and then they die. Sounds pretty simple, right? But while you're trying to kill them, conveniently, the next enemy will just jump out of the ground wherever you're at. Because it takes time to kill these things, it will hit you unless you just try to avoid them. Then you get into a field of scarecrows. And when they jump out at you, they're going to jump out right where where they're going to be in the way of how you're trying to progress. Or... And this happens or or go ahead. Or you're fighting one of the scarecrows and then another one will jump out directly on top of you. Yes. And so this game constantly does bullshit like this or when you're going through a dungeon and these enemies will throw down lightning bolts at you as you're running underneath them. You can't avoid it. It's just what this game does unless you have vanish cream and then you can do it. Uh, so you have to rely on these items. but these type of games don't really demand that you shouldn't have to use items to get past them. This is a convenience thing, but this game tries to make it so you have to use them. Okay. I mean, that's fine, but it's not something I necessarily enjoy. This isn't something that, that brings me happiness or, or zens me out. It doesn't ruin the entire experience though, because I do think there, there are times when like that sine wave goes down and the, I think the difficulty balance is right in the middle where this game is extremely enjoyable. Like when it hits, it hits. Mm -hmm. But like there's sometimes when, especially against some of these bosses, we're just like, this is, this is the stupidest boss I've probably played in a long time. This is so easy. And then there's some that's like, oh, I really have to think about it. Oh, I have to change into a fucking monkey in two seconds, but I can't because Shantae wants to make a giant display about turning into a fucking monkey. Oh, there comes the water. Oh, I'm getting hit again. Oh, great. (laughs) That's awesome because we wanted to just have this visual display about how awesome it is that we're turning into a monkey now. Oh, great. That, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like this, this game doesn't really have any consistency or flow in, in, in its difficulty curve. And it, it's just wildly all over the place on top of the other problems you've already identified. Yeah. And the thing with the dances is like on paper, it's a good idea, right? Like it's neat. It's unique. Other games don't do that. It's like, oh, you know, you have to do a, a little mini rhythm game in order to transform into an animal or whatever like that's cool and it's like it's in universe it's on brand for shantae it all makes sense right but like in practice i'm totally with you that it there was never a point where i was just like this is better than just having a button to transform into something right like just give me a fucking button combo or something like uh, up an a or something turns you into the monkey okay great like it, it was it's it's a novelty and it was cute once and then even when you don't have the pressure of like a boss fight just using them to do the traversal that's necessary once you hit areas that require you to have them like you know if you have a sheer wall that you have to monkey hop up to like you have to stop then you have to press select then you have to wait for the time for the beat thing for the little stars at the bottom of the screen and you have to do the inputs at this at the exact right time in order. And when you get good at it, it only takes like a couple seconds, but that's still a couple seconds, which sounds nitpicky. But when you really think about it in an action platforming game, having to stop for a couple seconds to just do something as simple as, you know, make yourself capable of continuing level traversal, you add that up 
over all the times that you're required to do it in the game. And that ends up being a lot of time. So there was never a point where I thought that that felt good. Like it was cute. And then it just kind of got tiresome. And it was like, especially like you said, it was especially egregious during the boss fights or like the boss fight uh, where you have to change into the elephant, you know, because like that's the thing is like the labyrinths are basically the dungeons of this game. And so in very sort of Zelda like fashion, the boss requires you to use the animal transformation that you got in that dungeon which is fine that's that's a good design pattern i'm cool with that but again you've got this boss that has these like big fists going up and down and you're supposed to like jump on top of one of them to get level with his head and then turn into the elephant so you have to do this dance thing while all this other bullshit's going on ram him as the elephant and then get back up there and like whip the gem that pops out of his head after you've rammed him. And that that's fine. Like that's a, that's a fine boss design. If you didn't have to pause and do that transformation every time. Okay. Okay. I, I do have a criticism on that one. Cause I like that boss fight because it was easy. Sure. Because you turn the elephant before you jump on the fist. Yeah. Okay. I mean, either way, like it, the, but regardless yeah. of the order of operations, the point is, is that like, having to stop and do the transformation like entirely interrupts the whole flow of the whole thing. No, I can agree with that, but uh, like, no, I, I do. Uh, the, the dancing stuff does kind of irritate me a little bit, particularly like I already said against the boss fights, but what I will say is like, especially when you turn into the monkey, the exploratory value that it gives from there, it makes, it makes traversal in that game a hell of a lot more fun. Mm, yeah. I would say like the game does pick up and bef- like we were talking about this uh, before we recorded a couple days ago uh, about how the game does open up once you start getting the animal transformations. And that is 100 percent true uh, because I don't want to sit here and just sound like I hate everything about this game. I don't. I think that most of the time this game is a very competent action platformer. I think that it does. I think it does things very well, especially for a Game Boy Color title where you don't have all the buttons that you have on a modern console. Mm -hmm. They did the best they could. I I do think for the most part, this is like I already said, it's it's competent. It's very competent. And uh, there are very high highs here, but there are big problems that do exist that are fixed by the the animal transformations. And I don't think that necessarily should have been the case. I think that if you're making a game like this, exploring should also so somewhat always be somewhat breezy uh to an extent in a game like this especially with all the open environments and how it does kind of try to encourage exploration but it's just that the bosses not not the bosses the enemies the enemies are are more annoying than fun and i don't know i i sound like i'm just repeating myself at this point about a lot of the stuff but well but you're right uh, just the game the gameplay gets in its own way yeah no absolutely like and and you're right because it should be and that's part of the issue is like listen you could say that you could give it a pass because you know as it's first of all it's like a four to six hour game right so i guess you could give it a pass and say okay well you only have to play like maybe a half hour 45 minutes and then you get your first transformation and then suddenly things open up and traversal is a little bit better because you've got the monkey who can jump higher and can do wall kicks to like traverse up places you couldn't get to before which is true but i would argue that it kind of like what you were saying 
especially in a game like this, basic level traversal should be fun from minute one. You shouldn't have to like suffer through objectively shitty gameplay to get to a point where it starts to feel better especially in a yeah. game that is so short you have not a lot of time to work with and if you're saying that like a fourth of your game's runtime kind of feels bad to play that's not great um and again like that's something no. that definitely was remedied in in later shante games which you know otherwise i wouldn't be as big of a fan of the series as i am but i i do think that that is genuinely a really big shortcoming here like that you know, you it, it, even I mean, you and I were talking about it uh, sort of offline a few days ago about how both of us immediately died in the first intro sequence with the pirate ship shooting the cannonballs and like breaking the the like bridge thing that you're walking on because just because of like a combination of Shantae being slow by default, trying to figure out, well, should I run and jump or should I not run? And part of that was because of, again, like the game's sort of like bullshit placement of things where it would purposefully land cannonballs directly where you were going to be with almost no way of avoiding it. So running is really not an option because you're going to get murked uh, because you don't have time to react. And so instead, you're sort of like slowly trying to plod along this area where this whole sequence, music included, is keying you in to be like, this, this is intense. Like things are happening. You should be moving fast, but like you can't because you'll fucking die. Like it was just, it's very dissonant. And like, that's, that's like the first thing you really experience. And right off the bat, you and I like already said, we both ended up dying like at least once or twice just in that area alone. Oh, I, I didn't die in that area, but oh, well, I, fucking I did. <laughs> I know, but, like I could be like, okay, this this if this game wants me to run and run past the cannonballs, then why is it making that the cannonballs will land directly where I'm going to be every mm -hmm. single time? Yeah, like give me some sense of excitement. If I'm running, make those cannonballs like land right behind me to make mm -hmm. me think, wow, if I wasn't running, that thing would have definitely hit me. Wow, like I am good at games. That's. <laughs> That's that's I think the the vibe that it should have went for, especially for an intro scene or far enough ahead of you that you would have plenty of time to react to it. But again, yes, the game's kind of hamstrung, I think, by the Game Boy Color screen just because it's so sure. small. Yeah, that's what I'm saying right behind you. Like, yeah, it, like know your limitations, know the limitations of what the game is giving you. And that's that's the thing. It's like everything Every building block of a great game is is in here. And and like mm -hmm. I already said, there's a lot here that makes this game really good to control. Not everything is good, like we've said, but the foundations are there. And at times this game is incredibly, incredibly fun. I cannot stress that. And I have to well, I have to stress it because we've been shitting on it for like the better part <laughs> of the last 20 minutes. But I have to say that like, yeah. This game can be incredible. The building blocks are 100% there. It's just that every single time you're having a good time, this game feels like it does everything it can to completely shit on that 
and make you think everything you've been experiencing, everything you've been experiencing that has been good sucks. And that's what that's what irritates me, because most of the time I'm enjoying myself. But it's that one time where it's like, this is bullshit that ruins the past 10 or 15 minutes I just been having. Yeah, no, that's that that is valid. But yeah, I I, I do want to make sure that we definitely reiterate that, that I because I, I feel like we've been relentlessly negative. At least from from my perspective, I I, I criticize because I care. I yeah, we love I, it. I wanted this game to be better, <laughs> and like you said, I think you put it. I think you put it really well that like all it has all the building blocks. And like I said earlier in the episode, like the DNA of Shantae is a hundred percent here. Like everything that makes basically everything after this game as good as it is, like. The roots of all of that uh, are on display here. You can see it. If you're familiar with the other Shantae games, you can look at this one and be like, I get it. Like, I see where all this came from. It's just that this, it kind of feels like a rough draft in a way. Like, that's what this game feels like, especially when you compare it to like Risky's Revenge and anything after. Sure. Yeah, 100%. Well, I haven't played those. So, what the fuck would I know, honestly? But, uh, (laughs) I think we've we've talked about the gameplay enough here. I think it's time to move on to something we will be, you know, 100% totally positive about here. And that is the graphics and how this oh, yeah. game looks. So Shane, like tee off here. What did you, what did you think about this game and its graphical fidelity? Oh, shit, dude. This game's fucking phenomenal. Like, especially being on the Game Boy Color. If you take this game and put it up against pretty much almost any other GBC game, it, it, there's no comparison. Like what WayForward was able to do with that hardware is extremely impressive. Like f- just th- there are graphical effects that occur in this game that you would not see until like later GBA games or, and, and actually you put it really well earlier where you're saying that it does things that are kind of just, run of the mill now when you get a lot of these like retro inspired games right but part of that is because they're doing that on modern hardware and so they're able to pull off a lot of these cool little effects and you know color palette swaps and like really finely detailed sprite animations and things like that because they're trying to mimic an older style on far more powerful hardware but way forward did all this shit on the fucking Game Boy Color. And that in and of itself deserves all of the praise. Like, and it's stupid if it sounds stupid because it seems like very small things, but just like one perfect example, right? Is like when you be, uh, when you beat a boss and you get one of the, the, the elemental stones, that little animation that Shantae does of like spinning oh my God. around. Yes. Holy shit. That is so well done. <laughs> On the Game Boy Color, like, ah, uh, oh, man, and, and you can see this right from the get go because I pointed this out to Chris in our in our Discord, I think, um, or it was when we were chit chatting some other time. But regardless, where I was like, this game definitely does everything it can to showcase its graphical prowess from the jump, because like when you're traversing that town area that uh, Risky is like sacking, basically you see immediately 
that you run into different areas where the entire color palette changes based on the environment. Like you start out, you know, where you have like sort of like a daytime thing. I don't remember if it starts daytime or not. It's either day or night, but either way you have uh, a daytime color palette. You have a nighttime color palette. You have like this red color palette for when everything is on fire and it transitions between these so smoothly. And again, we take these things for granted now, but in 2002 on the Game Boy, like this is extremely impressive. I don't think there's much more to add to what you said. I played this game on the Game Boy Player through my GameCube. And most of the time I do this, games look fuzzy. They look unclear. Now, to be fair, I don't know exactly what the differences were between the Game Boy Enhanced version of Shantae and the Game Boy Color Pure version of Shantae, because if you're playing this on a GameCube player, you are by default playing it on a Game Boy Advance because that's you're playing. The Game Boy Advance is what's attaching to your GameCube. You're playing a Game Boy Advance. That's the hardware that's in there. Mm. So I can't tell you what other differences there might be. But what I can say is even on the GameCube, I didn't see any fuzziness like the colors are so bright and so clear. And even when I tried to play it on a Game Boy Color or even the Game Boy Advance that I attached it to, just everything looked beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, there. Like you could talk about the aesthetic choice if you don't like it. And sometimes like when Shantae is dancing and those animations, which have a lot of frames and is also incredible. You might not like the art style at that point, because I do think Shantae looks a little weird. But in terms of just what this 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 game was doing at that time, I you couldn't convince me by default that the Game Boy Color could do this because when the Game Boy Color came out, the, the games that they they put at the forefront were the original Super Mario Brothers, big whoop, uh, <laughs> and like the legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, but with color and our type on an 8-bit system, but with color, which didn't even look as good as the Master System version. But, you know, there, there are some like big examples of what the Game Boy Color can do. I think Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble is a good example of that. I think there's some examples of like the Resident Evil game that got shit canned because I just think it was too ambitious. But like this is a game that like it looks like it could have been a it, it's not that far removed from a Game Boy Advance game. It could have been right there. I think that if they shifted development over to a Game Boy Advance game, you, you could have seen something brilliant. I think that's really overshooting it a little. Actually, I really did overshoot that. It looks nothing like a Game Boy Advance game. I take that back. But it looks like if you gave them time, uh, they could have made a a Game Boy Advance game that would have been incredible because of what they were able to do here. This is definitely the standout title from what I've seen on the Game Boy Color. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game with plenty of frames of animation. I still can't believe that that, that they did this. It looks brilliant on a fucking GameCube, man. And that's where <laughs> everything's supposed to look shittier. And I have seen Game Boy Advance games on my GameCube, and they do look shittier than if you played on a Game Boy Advance. So my hat's off to way forward. Like, this is a marvel in technology. Yeah, 100%. And and you know what's funny? I was double-checking it while you were talking because I looked at this earlier. If you go and look, like on YouTube, for example, of like a side-by-side comparison of the GBC version and then this game playing on the Game Boy Advance, 
You know what's fucking wild about that is that the Game Boy Color version actually looks better. Yeah. Which is crazy. That doesn't surprise me. Again, I didn't have a backlight for it. I would have loved to see it with a backlight on my Game Boy Color. But it, it still looks really good when I could get that light. Like I had to bend my Game Boy Color in such a way that I can get the light on it. You know? Right. Yeah. But it looked it looked really good for the time I did play on it. So that doesn't shock me. Like it's yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they they definitely set the bar pretty high, and I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that WayForward necessarily like did anything that was quite this impressive with Shantae in in future releases. But I will say that they maintained the level of quality going forward. I think this is absolutely a technical achievement. I'm not necessarily sure that they did something quite like this with any of the subsequent releases, but. I can at least say that they they started off incredibly strong and I think they've they've kept things at that level ever since, which is commendable, especially with those Naga boobs. You got to love the <laughs> Naga boobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But let's move on to the music and, and sound design here, Shane. What, what did you think? Yo, this soundtrack fucking slaps. Really? Shante, Shante, what? Shantae's music is always great. Like it, even even here. I I love it. I love it. It has it fits the 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 setting very well. I think it's always so very well composed and it's got it it really does have as much personality as the rest of the game. I think it fits perfectly. It's is it as good as like Risky's Revenge or, you know, the Seven Sirens or the Pirate's Curse? No, but I mean, we're also talking about Game Boy Color sound hardware so you know take that for whatever you want but i i might well not there's really not a might about it i i'm gonna say that i'm biased because like i don't think i'm even taking this at face value because i'm i'm listening to the tracks in this game and i'm thinking about how they sort of carried forward and got translated into soundtracks for the later shante games and so i sort of have like a a built-in appreciation, I guess, for the music already that I guess may or may not be warranted on its own. But no, I, I, I don't know. I like it. I think it's real good. So the soundtrack was composed by Jake Kaufman, who I'm sure many people know nowadays because Jake Kaufman has made some incredible soundtracks to include Shovel Knight, which is just a S-tier goaded, as the kids say, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that in between making this game and making Shovel Knight that Jake Kaufman learned a lot. <laughs> because, I mean, that's probably fair, yeah. Yeah. I think the soundtrack has some high highs and some very mid mids. Mm. I think that there are some I think there are some tracks here that are just eh. and it's not so much that the, the composition is bad as and again, this might be because I'm playing this on a GameCube on a TV and I'm not getting the intention of it. But like sometimes the tracks just get too loud and, and the sounds sound a little distorted and kind of have that kind of ripping or staticky feedback sound to them. Mm -hmm. Or just sometimes the, the sounds in the, in the tracks just they sound weird that I've noticed that. It sounds like I got an accomplishment or something like that because it just sounded so out of place in some of these tracks. I think what is it the uh, the second dungeon in particular? It was just like this. 
uh, it's like all the interrupting, which I understand is a very bit thing is like when you're making another sound and the sound channels and how they interact and and how it like can interrupt each other in terms of how uh, sound, the, the music progression is going in the background. But sometimes that just wasn't the case. It, it just it's it doesn't hit the quality of a lot of Capcom or Konami tracks from the NES, which I understand is a very high bar that I'm comparing it to. But yeah. this is also someone who wrote the soundtrack to Shovel Knight. So I think I can kind of hold them to that bar so I can kind of be like, this is Jake Kaufman in his early days. And he eventually like just slaughtered with the with the compositions that he made. But I don't think that this soundtrack is quite there. I it's it's fine. I'm not going to just absolutely destroy it because there's no need to. The the soundtrack is very sufficient. Like I said, there are some high highs like uh, the the soundtrack to um, the second town. Or even Scuttletown. The town, the town soundtracks in general are just fantastic. All the shop soundtracks are are great. I I love them. Uh, but there are just some times when when you're traversing through areas that I, I just didn't think they they really measured up. And that same for the sound design. Sound design, it it was kind of grating. Again, this is eight bit Game Boy Color stuff, so maybe I shouldn't be complaining so much. It didn't get too much in the way, but it was like grating sound. But again, this is this is an expectation that so i'm not going to knock it for that so i just it's just looking at the soundtrack itself i think i don't want to say it could have been better because this is again a, a starting block not necessarily starting block but an early block and a building block towards greater things but i think that there are much better options out there even on the same console even in the same like including the game boy i think there are much better compositions on the game boy i think this falls short of a lot of those but it's not bad. I'm not going to sit here and call it bad because it's actually quite good. It's just not anywhere near the best or even very good. If that makes sense. I see. This is this is why you can bring the objective viewpoint to things. Because like I like I said, I, I think a lot of I, I'm actually <laughs> while we're talking, I'm going through and listening to a few of the OST tracks again just to remind myself. And uh, yeah, I still really like them. Like, and I think a big part of that is because a lot of these tracks got carried forward into later games and sort of became a staple they were improved upon for sure but i guess maybe that's like reverse my... nostalgia yeah yeah exactly it's i think it's kind of like my bias of just like you know i'm like oh risky boots theme is so fucking good and i mean i still think it's pretty good here too but no i get what you're saying i mean the sound design that's kind of why i didn't even mention that Honestly, I really just focused on the soundtrack because I don't have a lot to say about sound design on the Game Boy Color, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's only so much you can do there. Kind of like what you mentioned. It's Fair. Yeah. fine. You do get like some of those sort of grating staticky noises, but it's sort of endemic to the system. So I won't necessarily knock the game for that. But yeah, now I, I, I get what you're saying. I will generally respectfully disagree because I still think this soundtrack's real good. Okay. That's fair. We can, we can agree to disagree on that one. Sure. It's so it's okay to have the right opinion sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. 
Well, I guess it's time to roll in to hear what our listeners think, and not just our listeners, our patrons, our amazing patrons that that support our show and provide comments for our episodes. So this is the part that we call our Patreon pontifications. And if you want to submit some patron pontifications, all you have to do, I know this all is actually quite a few steps, but hey, hear me out here. Join our Patreon, which you can find our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash retro hangover. Just go to patreon.com slash retro hangover. Join that for as little as $1 a month. Go from there to our Discord and then go to the Patreon pontifications area and we will have a game that we will be providing comments for, for all of you. And we will read them no matter what they say, as you're about to find out. So hopefully nothing too wild is in here. And Shane, how about you start this one off? Sure. Yeah, we're like, uh, we're like Ron Burgundy. You just, we just read whatever's put in front of us. We'll just read it. Uh, all right. Well, we're kicking things off with Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon of the Fun and Games podcast and others. And they say, I played the entire Shantae franchise for the first time last year, with the exception of Half-Genie Hero, which I had played previously, all on Nintendo Switch. And I, of course, started with the original Game Boy Color game and absolutely loved it. It was definitely tough at times and shows its age a bit, but it's still a delightful and fun game with a great soundtrack. Love the characters and design, and it's a great starting point to a franchise that absolutely rules. I also got the limited run version that came in a box that looks like the old GBC box. There you go. Hell yeah. See? I got that one too. And it's <laughs> fantastic. Alright, next is Lyle, the immortal patron Lyle, the, the original patron saint. And Lyle says, the graphical fidelity of this game consistently blows me away. The way the hair flows, the way the gold sparkles, the way the dick dragons. 42 out of 50, best game about a genie for the GBA, GBC, that I've never played. (laughs) Uh, We can tell. Uh, all right. Next up, we have JC says, never played any of the Shantae games, which is a travesty. I know. I do like Shantae's costume, though. We, we, we all do. Anime boobies for the win. And that's my pontification. Once again, Capcom, I, we know why you sat on this. <laughs> and uh, we know what a lot of you are thinking when we say the word sat. All right. Moving on to Stud Still Smash the Milkman. Haven't played any Shantae games yet, but looking them over and it's no odd world, and thank God for that. <laughs> no, no, it's not. He didn't say, I added that last part. I added that last part, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, thank God it's not like odd world. Maybe, maybe Stud Still Smash didn't mean that, but I did. Right, Shane? All right. Well, there you go. All right. Second to last, we've got uh, Keith. From the Main Quest podcast, good friend of the show, and he says, I only know of Shantae. She looks fun. Is she a genie? Do you, do you have to rub her the right way if you want to be with her? I mean... Bonk, Keith! Bonk! <laughs> I mean, that's a, you know, it's a solid 2000s Christina Aguilera reference. It's fine. I see you, Keith. You get the horny bonk. I, too, enjoyed that music video. Mm. Oh, I mean, I, yes, I did as well. I think I still would. And Mask Keaton, the high score challenge aficionado, says, I think I would like it. 
I like the Metroidvania genre. Perhaps your review will be the motivator. Eh, perhaps, maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Well, uh, uh, I suppose that that is it for our patron pontifications this time around, which I suppose leads us into our own thoughts about uh, whether this game still holds up today. So, Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and provide your thoughts? I think that Shantae is a very good Game Boy Color game. I also don't think that any I won't say any, but I would say that most Game Boy Color action platformers in general do not hold up today. They just don't. The the condensed screen, the smaller condensed screen, how they're always trying to mimic their console counterparts almost to a fault. So to say that it's one of the best Game Boy Color action platformer games, which I do believe it is, doesn't mean that it holds up today. And I don't I don't think it does. I think. That doesn't mean, once again, I said this with 1080 snowboarding, I don't think that means it's a bad game. I just think that if you're going to play a Shantae game, the kind of game that you want to play comes later. The game that you can really identify as a Shantae game will arrive at a later date. Play play the next game with Risky's Revenge. Play Half Genie Hero, play Seven Sirens, play those games, and you're going to get your Shantae experience. You're going to have more fun with it. This is a good place to go back to if you want to know the origins of a series. But if you are just playing it to play it for fun's sake, I would not go to this. Uh, there, there are just too many instances where the gameplay is just too anachronistic and it has too many problems, which were fixed throughout gaming history that are going to be somewhat irritating and a little bit flawed to such an extent that you're going to wonder why you're not playing something else. Unfortunately, the hit detection is too off. The momentum based jumping can can have too many issues. There's just too many little frustrations that eventually it just ends up being a death by a thousand cuts. Again, it's one of the better games in terms of action platformers on your GBA and probably overall in just terms of portable gaming. But I think we're well beyond that in current year, modern era, however you want to define it. So is it is it good for a curiosity? Sure. But I, I wouldn't recommend it if you're just looking for a good time. How about you, Shane? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with pretty much everything you just said. Uh, and it pains me because I do love me some Shantae. But uh, literally any other game in this series is going to give you a like markedly better time than this game will. And I know, I know a lot of people have some serious nostalgia for this game. I've seen it in the YouTube comments and the, the social medias and like, I get it. It's one of those deals where like, if this is something you played back in the day, like, I understand, I understand why you'd have the the fondness and the nostalgia for it but does it hold up today no not at all and this is coming from someone who is absolutely a fan of this series i put this game down in frustration more times than anybody should in order to try to get through it to talk about it today and like full disclosure i did not actually finish this game 
Uh, I, I went and I watched a long play of the rest of it because I could not motivate myself to want to finish it, which is sad for like a four hour runtime that I couldn't even really get through that. But I think that's really indicative of the overall gameplay. It's just it just feels too much like a slog. It feels bad more than it feels good. And if I'm at, if it wasn't for the fact that we are talking about it on the show today, this would have been a game that I would have put down and never come back to just because it's, I wasn't really having that much fun. Like I can see it. I, I see all the pieces. They're all there, but they just don't, coalesce in a way that results in a truly fun experience it does a lot of great things it's got a lot of impressive features technically it is a marvel and i think it should be lauded for that 100 but i don't think way forward really nailed what i would argue to be the most important aspect of a game which is the gameplay until the follow-up uh, like I said, Risky's Revenge or anything after that, they those are great games, and I would recommend them to almost anybody. But this one, unless you've got some curiosity, you know, as far as like where the series started and you just want to see the origins, like sure, you, there's maybe worse ways you could spend four to six hours of your life, but there are so many better options. Even if you're not just looking in the Shante series, there's there's plenty of other ones that you're going to have a much better time with. So I am very happy with what this game did. I am glad that it it, it is what it is, that it set the stage for what would come later. Um, but it is very, very rough to, to go back to today. Hey, I think, yeah, we're in alignment here. Almost one for one. By the way, I, I think it's funny you say there's so many people out there that have nostalgia for a game that pretty much failed to sell 25,000 copies. <laughs> just, yeah, just saying. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that did not escape me, but it's weird. Like, and I don't know if it's just because you get this stuff with almost anything n- nostalgic, right? But like the number of people leaving comments on like, shantae videos on youtube or like the long play i watched where it was just nothing but people just gushing about how this was a classic and just a fantastic game and so much fun and blah 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 blah. i'm just like yeah i don't i don't i don't think you guys went back and played this again recently because i i i don't see it is it is it innovative sure it does some really cool things that other game boy color games definitely were not doing and it's got some depth that a lot of other GBC games did not have. But the gameplay just ain't there. So, yeah, I, I agree. So hopefully, you know, Shantae fans, I, I know you will take this seriously. We come here with peace and love, peace <laughs> and love. We're just telling you that uh, the rest of the games are probably really good. Just they this are. one. And Shane, Shane has said they're really good. Yeah. But this one did just it, it it's a product of the time and the console it was on. And that's fine. You know, the restrictions yep. are there and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just play one of the later ones. Enjoy that yeah. and have fun with that because they're worth it. Yeah. Just start with Risky's Revenge. You'll be fine. There you go. All right. So I guess this is the time when we wrap things up and conclude this episode. So, Shane, you are the spiel master. 
where can the good people find out more about us if they don't already know? Ah, uh, yes, the the resident shill king. As Chris already briefly mentioned, we do have a link tree. So if uh, you know what, if if you like what we're doing here, and uh, you would you would like to engage with the show beyond just you know d- downloading it or streaming it every time we throw something out there on on Sundays, you can do that. And we make it very easy for you. So if you would like to check out our social medias or perhaps jump into our uh, public discord and check out all the really cool stuff that's happening in there, there is always discussion going on. We've got monthly events that are taking place all the time. Um, we, we've got a really fantastic community and we're very fortunate to, to have that. And we would love for you to be a part of that. So you can find that as well as uh, the Patreon and the merch store if you'd like to support the show in that way, uh, as well as our YouTube channel and our uh, Twitch streams. All of that good stuff is at linktree slash retro hangover. So that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. Just uh, pop on over there and, and, and tippy tappy the buttons and you will be whisked away much much like a genie doing a dance to teleport somewhere to uh to the destination of your choice so uh on that note uh, chris would you like to tell the the fine listeners at home what they can expect from us on sundays around i don't know let's let's say like 9 p.m. eastern time just just throwing that out there well i don't want to have anyone come in with raised expectations so don't expect much but i will tell you that if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover you can have your expectations crushed when you come (laughs) and watch us on that channel and you realize that we are not professional twitch streamers in fact well shane's shane's a lot better than i am but it is a good time because we have a great community that shows up and they participate in the chats in fact i was almost well i won't say almost i was very overwhelmed by the chat the last time I streamed because the community is so great and they're just providing amazing, amazing engagement. So if you want to be part of that, if you want to watch us play some random game over there on twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays, yeah, head on over there. We'd love to have you there. Our community would love to have you there. And it's going to be a great time. So I look forward to seeing you all there at 9 p.m. on Sundays, Eastern time at twitch.tv slash retro hangover. See you there. Come on over and watch me play like the 20th different Doom mod that I've found. <laughs> they fucking love it. They uh, fucking love it. That's true. I do too. Do- Doom is like At a, least on an endless well of, of, of possible possibilities. But anyway. Yes. So I suppose with all of that having now been said until next time. Play with your I dream of Barbara Eden Naga Booby Genie joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee and Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? 
No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.